All right, welcome to the Raj Tech Show, number one podcast in Dubai. Unfortunately, this week, Alex is uh, moving home in Amsterdam and going to Rome, so he's not on the show. However, we spoke about less stories, less content recommendations, less news, less everything, but boy, did we go into depth. Joining me as always on the show is Vic. What's up? Good evening or good night or good morning. It's late tonight, but it was a really, really good episode. We went long. But um, we got into some real detail around Elon, like buying, like finally taking over Twitter and what his first week was like and what he could be doing with Twitter. Um, a lot, a lot of good conversation in that, I think. Um, talked a lot about British politics, about Matt Hancock, this uh, politician from the UK going into I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. In fact, you're right, news stories we only had four, but the biggest one was the unfortunate and sad news of takeoff from the Migos getting shot two days ago and dying, unfortunately, which was really, really sad news. So we start off with that. Yep, you're going to take, get our take on that. I mean, again, four or five subjects. Jason Kalkanis, David Sachs, Elon taking over Twitter, Man Matt Hancock, you know, doing the celebrity thirst trap, heading over to I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And then James Corden, did he steal a joke? Did someone steal a joke on his behalf and get him to say it? Allegedly, could have happened. The joke was Ricky Gervais's. We'll break down that story as well. It's an incredible episode. And of course, we talk about being out and about in Dubai. We kept it very, very business bay when it comes to being out and about in Dubai this week. And FYI, we've moved it to the end of the podcast because we were just trying some, some stuff out with our editorial team. Also, big ups to our editorial team. We have to give them a shout every single time that we're here. So big up to Arjun. Bal, Jessel, Kishan, Chiron, Neil, and Sal. I guess I'm going to be editing this episode, so I'm going to say to myself, time to run the intro music. Enjoy the show. Man, what a sad one. What a terrible place to start. It is the news that has really, I don't think I've expressed how much this news has really upset me because of the fact that there's been a lot of deaths in the hip hop industry, but you know, when you lose a fortified A-list celebrity that for all intents and purposes is just regarded as somebody who makes great party music and gets things going and you find out that they've been killed, you find out that the death is as a result of something that could have been completely avoided. Looks like a moment of toxic masculinity, bit of arguing, bit of scuffling, and then some shots rang off in Houston. Turns out that we have lost, unfortunately, Takeoff, the youngest member of the Migos, the inspiration behind why this trio started rapping, the nephew to one of the members and the cousin to the other member. Very sad news. Vic, where were you when you found out that takeoff had been shot we were together i was in your apartment oh really like, that's what happened that's not where it happened <laughs> it happened in houston but no mm. we were together and it and actually it's interesting it came through on our group um i think sal posted it yeah and said you know word is coming out that takeoff's been shot and immediately we started like googling and you know it's been like maybe 45 minutes till since the apparent news came out. And then obviously we found out that it's true. And uh, there was no real kind of information at that point. But what we did know is that 
there was images on Twitter, which, you know, you they were, they were trying to verify that it was him. There was a, a body on some stairs and they were kind of trace, tracing back to like the timeline and saying, okay, look, he's wearing the same clothes. It looks like it's him. So that kind of was like a half verification. Then the news came out that it was him. And then slowly, slowly the news of like what happened. And obviously there was like different reports of what happened. And then finally the news came out that it was um, over a dice game. Yeah. Did that, so, is that right? Yeah. So, so, so for clarity, it looks like it was not necessarily on stairs. It looks like it was outside a venue. There was a dice game going on on the second story. Uh, it looked like there was a whole kind of like open area in the middle of this building. And there was like, there was like stairs or pathways on each of the levels. That's where, unfortunately, it looks like it was laid out. It looks like it wasn't over a dice game. It looks like a conversation that happened during a dice game, some conversation in and around the subjects of basketball. Uh, for those who know, Quavo was heavily in the basketball world prior to joining Migos or ahead of his life as one of the Migos. So it looks like a conversation started. It looks like also looking at the footage, there's a bit of pushing and shoving. And it didn't take too long for people to pull the burners out and start letting them off. So in that kerfuffle, and we don't know on either side of this conflict who actually pulled the straps out first, but unfortunately, uh, in that initial set of shots being fired, man, this guy offset was killed. He was um you know, now, 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 yeah, let, sorry, forgive me. Yeah, take off. Let's be, let's be very honest here. This is a, this is a super group and it's probably one of the first super groups that is the super group of the next generation after us because Versace and all that was a 2013 record and it was big. And I remember when Versace, Versace first came out and I was like, all right, if it's working for you, that's good. It's not necessarily a record for me, but if it's working for you, that's good. Then Drake jumped on it. And I was like, okay, no indication at this point that Migos were going to be a super group because everybody was getting the curse of Drake at that time, which is that Drake would jump on your record. And then, you know, there's a one in 10 chance that you're going to go on to become a super group. If any, or a super act, if anybody did that well, it was the Migos. They absolutely took that limelight and ran with it, came up with unquestionable hits, unbelievable production, raising up the whole QC platform. So Coach K and that whole team really just created a massive, incredible movement. And uh, to, to lose this guy just seems wholly unnecessary. I'm actually very, very sad about this. And to that, to that point about, you know, Vic, over the first 45 minutes that we heard, I just couldn't get off Twitter or the news sites because I just couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe that an A-list rapper had been murdered. In fact, as I talk about it, it's still difficult to to process. Well, when was the last time that happened? An A-list rapper. It's weird that there was a an A-list adjacent rapper in Nipsey. And what's interesting about the fact that when Nipsey passed away, rest in peace, is that a lot of people were like, yo, this is the this is the one. This is the murder where we've got to do better. This is the murder where we've got to change. And that's being echoed now. Again, a lot of that language is being echoed again uh, due to the unfortunate loss of Offset. So, you know, take off. You, you, yeah, sorry, forgive me. I keep saying that. 
It's it's the it's the and, and I've been doing that for the last twenty four hours. It's the off in it. Off bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the off bit. So I I obviously apologize to any fans of Migos, but yeah, because of takeoff, passing away, definitely this one hits different. And it's not that there's not been terrible losses, like PMB Rock was obviously a, a terrible loss. Shout out to my friend Aubrey. But like there's there's it's you know, it's bad. But this one is really, really bad. It's incredibly sad. America has a gun problem. Um, these things are way too available. Certain states, it's a lot more apparent in the southern states, whether you look at Florida, whether you look at Texas. And 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 I think when you live in a place like Dubai, you look at people getting their windows smashed or cars scratched in London, and you go, wow, that's an extremely terrible life compared to Dubai. But if you multiply that several times over, people are straight up getting shot at 2.30 in the morning as a result of a kerfuffle over a conversation around a sport yeah i think you, you know what's what's really interesting not interesting i think it's probably the wrong word what's quite difficult about this one is when you look at nipsey pnb rock and and others they seem to be somewhat more targeted whether it was in the moment or somewhat premeditated right good point so there is that so so you know and they you know everyone talks about well you shouldn't geotag and put your location and all these kind of things because of the potential threat on your lives because of the background a lot of the some of these guys have through you know just circumstances but this one in particular wasn't that it wasn't a case of we're going to target this guy it happened in the moment and yeah. there's a wider conversation around and i think you might have mentioned it earlier i can't uh toxic masculinity but also, you know, the fact that there is, you know, it is background that that creeps back into your normal life. Mm. You know, that decision could have gone one way or the other. It could have been like, oh, hold on a second. We've got to keep it moving. Like we're doing bigger things than where we came from, which is great. And, you know, that's that's what you want for everyone. But that didn't happen in this case based mm. on the reports. And that's where the real problem lies. I know there's gun problems and things like that. But, you know, even if there was stricter gun laws or whatever, you know, there's, it's a big country, guns are going to get in, things are going to happen, you know, but, uh, but it's really about the attitude towards them and the attitude around, maybe even around the people that they're around, you know, yeah. and that, that probably doesn't help because, you know, when you have a big crew, not everyone's a star, not everyone's made it. Some people do, some people can eat, some people don't. So there's always going to be kind of this, you know, lingering kind of, you know, what was kind of the background or what was the upbringing or kind of, you know, where they've come from. That's 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 going to be lingering for a lot of people. And that could just be, a, like, you know, no pun intended, but that could just be a trigger for these mm. situations to happen. And, and, you know, it happens. This is this is highlighted because it's an A-list star. Mm. but it happens day in day out with all commit with a lot of communities yeah you know, a lot of communities and and i think it's the attitude towards it that's the problem and that you know we don't want to kind of, kind of go too deep into it but then that comes to like systemic problems poverty and and various other factors and and they all play a part yeah i mean i i saw i saw a video clip and these are all related i saw a video clip on Instagram of a bunch of white kids in America that were dressed up in jail clothes and they had blackface on and it's 2022. And I'm like, okay, we have to understand that 
everything is correlated because one day those white kids might end up working with or employing or being employed by black people. And so if we still believe in a world that teenagers, adolescents can go out and do blackface in 2022, then these are moments where the bumps of racism become really, really apparent on the surface area that is America's culture and society. And therefore, that means that truly black people are not getting the mortgages, truly black people are not getting the jobs, which means that they're going to be confined to areas, certain ones where they do not get a fair shot. And as a result of just not having a fair shot at life, extreme living and social conditions will become apparent. And from that extreme expressions will happen. And one of these expressions was somebody getting shot or deciding that something as trivial as a conversation around sports or something like that was worthwhile pulling a gun out over. And I know it looks like it graduated to like punches and fists before that gun was pulled out, but it's just too much. It's, it's too much that the, that the conflict can become physical and then escalate from a, a one out of five, which is a shouting match to a two out of five, which is a bit of a scuffle. And then when it goes from two to five, and there's no natural graduation in the conflict, there's less opportunities to step in. And it's, and it's really, really sad. And you know, one of our friends, you know, one of our hip hop friends, I don't know if you've been around when he's ever said this, but he goes, he does his club performances and then he's out. He does not hang out in the club. He's like, I have no reason to, I don't drink. I don't want the food. I don't want to hang out with chicks. As soon as I've done my performance on the way out, if somebody wants to take a picture, great. Otherwise, I'm getting in a car. I'm going back to the hotel. I'm going to sleep and I'm on the next flight out of the city. Other people I saw on, the, on, on, on TikTok were saying they were either quoting a rapper or they were quoting people they knew. They were like, nothing good happens after 10 p.m. Yeah. And I'm starting yeah. to see that. And, you know, I don't want to speak about I, didn't, I really don't want to speak about this because I don't want to make light of what happened to take off. But like, in our crew, we had this conversation, you and I and a few other people, that I was out and about the other night and there was a moment that got kind of tense, no fault of my own. I can say that with my hand on my heart, but there was a moment that got kind of tense and it could have turned into some, some gangster shit. And the other guy had no idea how serious it was getting because he was intoxicated and whatnot. But you realize that that's not going to happen at two o'clock in the afternoon at Raw Coffee. That's only going to happen in the club. <laughs> it's not though, right? It's like, it's, it's true. Not and, in it, Dubai. And, and it's, and it's like, and it, and it, a lot of it is to do with that young masculine energy. Like there's this, you know, this one dude just seemed to be taking offense because I couldn't understand what he was saying. We're in a loud ass club. There's a speaker behind me. There's no reason to be unhappy. There's beautiful women everywhere. There's incredible music playing. And that energy can just pop up and present itself in your face. And the next thing you know, you're involved in something that that's not going to work out positive for anybody, me included. Do you know what I mean? And I was, you know, there was, it just wouldn't have worked out for anybody. And so you look at these kind of situations, you think this is crazy. And I was talking to Flo as well about this. I was like, I feel like I'm done with hip hop now. I'm like, if we're going to, if we're going to lose guys like Nipsey and Takeoff, I'm like, well, who are we supporting here? Like maybe... Maybe when we play these records, when people make these sounds, do, 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 or they talk about pulling out the stick or this or that, it's like, maybe what we're doing is we're supporting curses 
Like, you know, what are those things called spells? Yeah. Like spells are being put in the environment, these curses and witches spells that actually create these environments because we can't separate the art and the streets. The art reflects the streets and the streets reflect the art. We, separating them is a fool's game. It's pointless, but yeah. Can we stop promoting them? Like I was talking to Sal this morning, I was like, this is all terrible, but there are guys that are multi, multi-millionaires and the amount that they talk about gun violence and the streets is one twentieth of what a lot of these rappers talk about. For example, Talib Kweli. Talib Kweli doesn't shy away from subjects when it comes to what's really going on in the streets. But he's a successful, well-rounded rapper, an incredible lyricist, without leaning as much on that content. Well, he doesn't lean on the content in his in his music that much, but he's not afraid to talk about it. But from a from a, from a positive point of view, right? Like from a to me, that's the perfect balance, though. Yeah, you're exactly. not saying it that's doesn't exist. Idea. You're not saying the streets and all that don't exist. But you're not also leaning so much on the subject that you might be casting spells where that becomes your immediate truth. Well, let, let's let, here's here's a bit of a, a kind of wider example as well. You know, you and me and I've had a couple of conversations recently about. I, I you know I don't want to be the old guy in the room, but I am, <laughs> and I've got a nine year old kid. But we've had a we've had a couple of conversations about the kind of music that is very easily accessible on Spotify. Now we're not just talking about violence portrayed in music through the lyrics, but also yeah, sexuality, other stuff, sexuality. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of drug talk. There's lo lots of stuff that goes on. And you know, I know it's always happened, but it feels like, and again, maybe I'm just the old guy, but it feels like it's more now than it ever was, like more so. But what it also feels like for a lot of these artists, some of them, the streets are true and it's real. And for some of these artists, it's not. It's not authentic. They're just talking about what they think they should be talking about. And that actually perpetuates it even more. And that makes it worse because then that becomes the culture of music. And then it kind of gets lost. And then it also gets like what the real impact of it is also gets diluted. So people don't like customers, like kids nowadays don't really understand what the impact is. They'll see that takeoff got shot because all the kids know who Migos is. Yeah. It's not that, but do they really know why? Do they really know what's happened in the past or where they've come from? I mean, they're probably oblivious to it, but I think the fact that that message can get diluted in the music, can then just get diluted by something that's happening with Elon Musk or whatever, that then becomes difficult. And then you don't have a have a real discourse around it. Mm. And, you know, the Talib qualities don't shine out, which they should. And that's that's also a real problem because, you know, your point about not supporting the music, I don't think we shouldn't support hip-hop, but I think there should be more conversation about the impact that you know just that just the, the streets have on hip-hop that the, the hip-hop has on the streets and then the wider kind of music that's coming out and the impact that has on kids minds and things like that it's it's way too accessible like what what they're talking about is way too accessible for kids mm. not only to listen to but to actually do because it's yeah. not just about street violence and pulling out a gun. There's so much more that they talk about, like we just said, that kids can get their hands on basically anything 
anywhere well, it's, in, in in texas specifically as a state open carry i believe is legal so yeah, is. so when everything's said and done if this goes to court which it might somebody might say and we don't know because the footage doesn't make it clear but somebody might say i'm a licensed gun owner i'm in an open carry state i'm allowed to have it strapped to my belt at that point i was shoved i was pushed i felt threatened and i started shooting and albeit i killed somebody by mistake aka manslaughter or whatever but there might be a set of legal circumstances that prevent anybody from coming to justice over this so we've got a series of bad decisions and poor judgments in and around when it's appropriate to pull a gun out and then when it was pulled out the law can justify it so from a justice point of view there's going to be no repercussions and then there's the streets that don't necessarily want to snitch on people and things of that nature so we could find ourselves where there's not really much recourse for this kind of thing other than the fact that we've just got a lot of angry sad people music fans me included where i'm like yo this is terrible and you know like neil our cousin is on the group chat like me and neil listen to migos all the time and quote migos all the time when we're hanging around with each other on holidays and stuff this is not like a a bullshit group this is a really serious hip-hop super group yeah you can have fun me, listening to yeah even for me they broke through you know i've you know and i said to you i said i think i said to you yesterday or whenever that the biggest rap group to at least come out in the last decade and like if you just look at numbers probably one of the big like they're up there in terms of historically yeah one of the bigger groups just from an, like even just purely from a numbers point of view and like a cultural impact point of view you yeah. know this is this is huge and 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 you're right i think i think the worst thing about it is is that because of the laws you know i i, I don't know the law so i'm not going to claim to say it but i'd assume there'd be like a self defense kind of case or you know that they can make as to why they shouldn't be charged or maybe get off with a very very light charge but we also know that historically these kind of situations haven't been investigated very thoroughly good point good point right so it kind of just gets you know a little bit of a and and you know any other a-lister they probably <laughs> investigate it much further but in yeah. this case they may not now i'm saying that i don't know the i don't know the truth but i would hope i would really hope that because of the fact that takeoff is so big that they would put more efforts into the investigation and that might offer some deterrence Mm. maybe but i think it's so marginal if it does it's 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 that's terrible but it's true because it's it's it's, it's absolutely true like if harry styles caught a slug the, the world would stop yeah but this is one third of a rap group yeah it's no it's, it's very sad obviously like you know we're gonna be i've been having discussions with this with with mad people people that i've seen even tonight in fact I was, I was, I was out and about moving and grooving. We'll talk about that and out and about in Dubai tonight, but I spoke to a lot of, uh, you know, people in the F and B industry that are around this music and a part of this culture. And, um, it's, it's, it's a real story, man. So man, rest in peace to take off. Really enjoyed seeing him on stages. I never seen the guy live, but I enjoyed seeing him online. Loved the records, loved the funny moments in interviews. Unbelievable. 28 years old, yo. 20 and, and that's yeah we haven't even mentioned that and that's that's so mad 28 is 
unbelievably young like it's mm. so young and and so much success at that age but just that like not even to hit 30 like forget hitting 40 50 60 70 80 like not even hit 30 mm. not even at the peak i don't think like they still had so much more like ahead of them right or he certainly would have yeah we didn't even mention that he's 28 that's just madness mm. it's such it's, it's just so mad but look i think i don't know man i don't know what to say this just feels like a cycle and yeah. you know what we we you know we come from you know we we've been in we've been listening to hip-hop for a very 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 long time it's become part of our identity and these moments are very sad to see Biggie, Tupac, Nipsey, you know, all of this stuff. It's just very sad to see mm. because people just, you know, I don't want to cast any kind of aspersions, but I would just hope that everyone, even wider society, can just help lift other people. I'm not just saying rappers should lift rappers. I'm talking about white people. All communities should just, just figure it out, man. Like, mm. we don't need this. Man, America's just got a, a deadly curse over it. But yeah, man, very, 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 very sad. Very, very sad indeed. You know, not that these guys listen, but my, my, my heart goes out to uh, to Offset and to Quavo and Coach K and the whole QC. So hopefully, I mean, I say hopefully we, we won't see a moment like this again. But there's no indicators that we won't. Moving on, it's uh, been a crazy week from one of the people that really loves to get seen and heard in the media and now not only is he a big part of the media but he owns a huge part of the media if not the hugest most ubiquitous part of media twitter elon musk first week in the office walks into the office with a sink and says let that sink in is it just me or is that fundamentally just not funny <laughs> i don't think it's funny right but it's not funny think- right no, but hold on. Here's the thing. The joke isn't funny. Like, it's not funny. Like, yeah, it's just not funny. In fact, I mis- when I saw the clip, I didn't hit, I, like, I just saw him walking with the sink. And I thought there was like some kind of reference to like everything but the kitchen sink. So I was trying to like tie that in and going, right, why, where's the logic or where's the funny behind that? So it's not a funny joke. No. But what it actually is doing is just showing everyone at Twitter and the rest of the world, because every single eyeball is on Elon Musk at the moment, um, that he can just do whatever the hell he wants. No, but like, firstly, let's start with this, right? Yeah. Elon Musk is Jewish. David Sachs is Jewish. Jason Kalkanis is Jewish. These are some of the funniest people on the planet. They couldn't get the opening joke, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because it's a split entendre. It's like sink in as in let it percolate downwards in and the the noun sink for something that you have in your kitchen. Yeah. I'm like, come on, bro. Like as much money as you've got and the culture that you come from, we should be in hysterics the first day that you walk into, uh, into, into Twitter. But it just didn't land for me. It didn't work out too well. But speaking of... That, as a segue, I was so happy to see that he has looped in Jason Kalkanis, his bestie, the guy that he took to Saturday Night Live to help him punch up some of his comments because these are funny dudes. And David Sachs, who's his former colleague 
co-founder or maybe not co-founder but he was part of the the paypal mafia the when paypal elon mafia, was yeah. there as well we've got three dudes here super smart super jewish should be funny should be i'll let you off for that i'll let you off for that for that um that sync joke uh elon and friends and by the way when i talk about jews i know that it's a hot it's a hot topic at the moment but jews and gujaratis are basically the same people so there's it's 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 all love don't even don't it's even, all love it's always don't, don't love. even yeah don't even try to make it that we are basically the same people with slightly different shades of brown um but yeah so i mean I think this is a very, very smart move because I was listening to Pivot and apparently David Sachs and Jason Kalkanis both have, you know, at twitter.com emails right now. They are card carrying employees of the organization. What do you what think? Does it, what do? does it mean? Well, I was going to ask you the same question. What does it mean, do you think, to bring on two Silicon Valley important voices, powerhouses, heavy Twitter users? long-term investors and syndicate participants onto the team that's going to come in and fix Twitter? So it's a good question. I've been trying to think about this. I actually, I don't have a position on what they're going to do. I, I don't know. I really don't. I wish I had a better answer for you. Well, I'll, I'll give you one. I'll tee up. I'll tee up. No, I, I tell you, we spoke let, me about just, this. let me just say this. Product. I, I'll tell you what I think it is. Yeah. But the biggest thing is obviously... There is friends, they'll work well together and they're going to do great things together, of course. But I think it's a signal more than anything else because he's sacked the board. He's done all of these big things. It's just a massive signal saying, look, like he's going in there saying, I've said to you, I'm going to make massive changes. And in my first week, I've got rid of everyone. Basically, that matters. Mm. And I've brought in my guys that are going to shake things up. I don't know what they're going to specific, like Joe, I don't know what Saxon... Jason Calcanis will do specifically, but that's the impression I get. They're going to, it's a big signal just to say, I'm here to do what I said I'm going to do. Mm. We, we've spoken about this before, obviously, you know, having front seat to uh, norms in the rec recruitment industry, but like, you know, when, when the manager moves teams, they take their best players along with them. So Elon's headed over there to Twitter under Juris and, you know, he's taken some of his best guys over with him. And I think when you're talking about a transaction at $44 billion, where 33 billion of those dollars could essentially be sunk into zero because the stock price is overvalued, maybe you do need to bring in people. And I want to make a point about this because I know we're going to touch on this point. We've touched on this point already, but one of the biggest macro trends going into the next decade is celebrities celebrity brands and that brand equity. Yeah. Jason Kalkanis and David Sachs bring a certain equity, a certain credibility, a certain validity to Twitter period, to the brand Twitter. They also are incredible operators and very, very good at executing. And they're also part of the cohort that Elon already trusts. So it has a multiplier effect for Elon and the kind of philosophy he's going to try and deploy into that organization. Because as you rightly said, not only did he get rid of the board, and now he's the sole director of the company, but he also got rid of the active operating management C-suite, which is the CEO, CFO, and the chief legal counsel. So we're talking about heads rolling en masse. And rumors are as well that he wants to actually fire the C-suite for underperformance. But the underperformance alleged 
happened prior to him taking over. So can you fire somebody the first day? Can you fire the CEO? Obviously, his thought process here is that if I fire Parag, the former CEO, for underperformance, that means that he doesn't get paid out his, you know, 40 or hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars as, yeah. uh, you know, whatever it is when you fire somebody. Um, what's it called? Not resignation. What's that joint? What's it called? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember what the word is. No, no, it's the most common word when you... Yeah, um, yeah I know. Not not re not retirement. What's it called? Um, Jesus. Res not um, resign. Severance. Severance, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So so he's not going to have to pay that. So, so that's a pretty big thing, man. I think that's something that's absolutely worth watching out for because now so celebrities can bring their their swag and that power and their influence if he if if his new leadership team is an all-star board the platform's in good hands i mean jason calcanis you know shout out to kyron on our group chat jason calcanis is already out there tweeting being like how can we make twitter better email me at the email address that he promotes the most which is jasonalcalcanis.com looks like it's yeah. going to be I feel like saying this, like I could have said this last week, but I'd say it with more confidence this week. Elon's going to turn Twitter around. You might only disagree with me if you look at it in a different time window that I look at it. But if we look at it in terms of like the infinite game, as in Twitter is going to be an important brand in our world for the next maybe at least 10 years. If we know, if we all know that Twitter is going to be something in 10 years, then within that block, within that time window, Elon's going to make it something special. Will it become a super app? Will it become a payments platform? Will it be somewhere where crypto can be moved around? Who knows? But by hook or by crook, this man knows that much like Kanye a few weeks ago, this was his all-time misstep. And the only way that he can wipe it from his record is by turning it around. Because if Elon Musk turns around Twitter, not only does he say F you to all the people that doubted this transaction was a good transaction, but actually he's better than people think he is because people wrote him off on this one. And I've seen this before when YouTube bought, uh, sorry, forgive me. When Google bought YouTube, YouTube was the laughing stock of web two because they were like, yeah. sorry, not YouTube. Google was the laughing stock of web two. Cause they were yeah. like, why do you want to buy YouTube? This company with all these server costs and lo and behold, Google turned it around. So all of the people that criticized Google have egg on their face. And this is the moment where, Elon has riled up all of the people to say, Elon, this is the one where you really messed up. If he turns this business around, he absolutely becomes all-time king of the hill. Yeah, I, I don't know if I don't know if on mass people are like, you you you've you've done something like you you've messed up. I don't think people are writing him off like that. I think the, I'll come back to this point in a second, but I think the bigger challenge is obviously what he's saying he wants to do with the platform and the impact that it could have. But I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second. But here's the thing: you're right. The you know bringing on like your dream team when you fire the board, you take over the company, or a manager moves. You know that's very very common. And yeah, that's what he's done. I don't think there is. I don't think there's even a one percent chance that he's not going to turn it around. He's going to make it a better product. He's going to make it more accessible. He's going to make it profitable. He's going to do well with the company, whatever that company becomes, whatever Twitter becomes, um, because he's not the type to lose, number one. His ego won't let him, after this whole nine-month run or however long it's been, 
overvalued $44 billion. He's like, this is the one he'd, I reckon he'd sooner let, you know, one of his other companies fail before Twitter. I'd go as far as saying that because wow. it's too, it'll be too much of a burn on his ego. Mm -hmm. He's not going to let any of that happen. But I think if push came to shove, he wouldn't let Twitter be a failure and he'd probably let one of his other companies go or, you know, just become less involved in one of his other companies to make sure that Twitter doesn't fail because this one has everyone talking about it because yeah, people like Tesla or don't like Tesla, but it's not uniformly hated. Same with SpaceX, same with all of these other companies. And Twitter is, you know, is polarizing as a platform, as is he as a CEO. So now you've got two polarizing characters in bed with each other, one being Twitter and one being Elon. But here's what I would say. I think the bigger, the bigger kind of challenge or the bigger kind of question is this. What's he going to do with the platform? So you mentioned a few things there, like payments or moving crypto and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if he does that, great. But I think the bigger challenge is that if he makes it, a, you know, a platform for free speech in the way that he's saying that he wants to, that's where people have problems because, you know, it can incite hatred, violence, you know, things that have occurred in the past. We've seen these things happen through elections and storming the capital and all these things that have happened primarily because, you know, social media has had an impact or an influence on people, whether that be a small majority minority of people or not, it's irrelevant. The fact that it's had an influence and moved people to actually take action against something, that's where the problem lies. And if it becomes free speech and everyone can just spit and it's like a town hall, like he wants it to be a town square. Sorry. Where, where do you draw the lines? Like you need to draw lines. And if you do, then you're not doing what you said you set out to do. So that's where I think the problems are not in the fact of will people write him off or anything like that? Because I don't think anyone in there, like deep down, I don't think anyone will write off Elon Musk. I just don't like he's, 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 He's too much. He's too. He's too big. Too smart. Too successful to be written off, like by anyone really deep down. They 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 know he's going to win, but what the challenge is: what is Twitter going to become? And if it becomes this free speech thing, then he's got a challenge on his hands because he's saying all this stuff, but he's getting pressure from, uh, you know, he has to conform to like App Store's policies. He has to conform to you know eu regulations and all these different things so how like what happens with that that's that's a big question you know how's he going to manage that where does he draw the line okay here, here's what i can see happening let me paint a picture for you about how the twitter scenario could work out really well number one we talk about twitter as this being this collective town square where everybody can chip in their thoughts right hmm. the other day i was in uh one of our our family's Teslas. And I said, Hey, listen, why don't we bring up Waze? And my family member said, there is no app store on Tesla where you can download independent apps. The only maps you can use is Tesla maps. Okay, good. So this is the current scenario. The Twitter brand hasn't been built on the first principles of collective contribution. At the moment, a lot of the collective contribution is like narrative and news-based. 
And that can turn toxic because just some people are assholes. That being said, if you opened up your Tesla or you opened up your smartphone, when you're, whether you're driving in your Peugeot or whatever, and you see something called Twitter Maps, and you press that, and you know that it's effectively Waze, it's a, it's a copycat product of Waze with like a little bit more of that magic dust that, that the product guys at Twitter and Tesla will come up with. Now, all of a sudden, we don't think about Twitter as a place that goes to spew hatred or fake news. We now start thinking about it as this friendly, useful app that we have on our phone because we all, no matter what map you use, we all have a positive sentiment towards maps, whether it be Waze, whether it be Google Maps. So now <laughs> it's, a weird, it's a weird thing to say, but it's true. <laughs> it's true, right? So yeah. now Twitter, he owns the OS of cars. And then what else happens? Does he have other things that Twitter becomes whereby the focus isn't a sole use case? It's di the Twitter brand is diluted across multiple use cases. So let's say at the moment, Twitter is a, a social network, effectively an RSS feed. And then now Twitter is a super app with nine products in it, whether it be banking, peer-to-peer -peer transactions, crypto, maps, things of that nature. Now, all of a sudden, we don't think about Twitter as bad because if I say I hate Twitter, you can then push back to me and be like, hang on a second, Raj, do you hate Twitter, the short messaging app? Or do you hate Twitter maps? And I can't build it. Like how you can't say I hate Google today. Well, what do you hate? Do you hate Gmail? Do you hate the maps? Do you hate this? Do you hate that? You can't point at it because once you point at it, once you enter the ecosystem that is that brand, there's multiple things inside there of which one of those things will be valuable to everybody. So I don't think this guy can be written off. I think this guy is going to build a macro ecosystem that involves cars, driverless, driver OS, you know, and driver OS, by the way, is massively underthought about because Apple's playing in that space with car OS. Yeah. So we can't, we can't underestimate what this man's going to do. And I think everybody who's criticizing him is thinking very, very long term. Now, I'm not a proponent of his. I don't believe he's better than anybody else. Duh, duh, duh. I just feel like if you really zoom out and look at the, the, the chess pieces that this man still has on the board, he's got way more than people think. Yeah, I'd agree with no. Yeah, so that I, I sent that's exactly, I guess, the point I'm trying to get across is that he's too, he's not going to fail. Now, what he does with it, these are all good points. If he starts integrating Twitter into other aspects of other businesses that he has or makes it a wider, you know, a more diverse platform outside of just being essentially like an RSS feed, as you say, um, then it's interesting because then you kind of go, okay, well, you know, well well if if the if the kind of ability to you know say what you want on the twitter platform specifically becomes toxic or difficult or you know swings left swings right swings in the middle swings everywhere and might incite hatred might incite violence might not you know all of these kind of confusing things that could happen if things like Twitter maps come along and peer-to-peer -peer and all these different things come along. Do you think people will just be like, I don't think I care enough about what's happening in the world because he's made it so convenient for me to use Twitter with everything else that's on offer. Do you think that's maybe a mentality that could, could come up? Yeah. Like look at, look at, look at Kareem pay here, connect Twitter to your bank account, connect all your bank accounts to Twitter and Twitter becomes a wallet. So I'm like, 
yo, Vic, we just went to this restaurant. Um, you know, I didn't have cash on me. This is a made up scenario because everybody has cash on them with their phones and whatnot. But let's say we go somewhere and you pick up the tab and I'm like, yo, let me give you half. And you say, yeah, I transform transfer money from one of seven bank accounts to my Twitter wallet. It goes from my Twitter wallet to your Twitter wallet. And it goes from your Twitter wallet to one of three of your bank accounts. We we now start thinking about Twitter very differently because yeah. we have different currencies, different exchange rates. I mean, there is so much that Twitter can absorb. There are digital banks in the UK at the moment right now where you can open a bank account. Your primary account is in pounds, but in that account, you've also got a euros account, a dollar account and, 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 and you can take pounds internally within that bank account and transfer them across different currency wallets. We've only just begun the the, and and to your point, you were like, I don't think people are criticizing him. I think there is one single criticism when it comes to Twitter, which is that effectively that should have been a 10 to $15, 10 to $15 billion transaction. It closed at 44. That's it. There's just a massive gulf of maybe a 75% swing in what he paid on that acquisition versus what he didn't. But life is long. Yeah. And he's got a tremendous amount of resources. Like he can, he can exclusively do SpaceX streams now on Twitter. Don't forget Twitter owns Periscope. Yeah. He already said a couple of days ago, bring back Vine. Vine. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> Twitter, like Yahoo over the last 20 years, temporarily was a graveyard. It was a place where good apps and good ideas go to die. It's where Vine went to die. It's where Periscope, where one of our girls, Anika. Yeah. Yeah. When I first started coaching her, the platform she blew up on was Periscope. On mm. our previous podcast, she got an unlimited SIM, unlimited data, unlimited voice by from the CEO of T-Mobile US because she was on Periscope. Yeah. I'm, I'm very bullish on Elon pulling this off. There's a huge gulf that he's got to go from negative to zero before he can justify, you know, Twitter being in a neutral position from a acquisition and an equity point of view and a, a capital point of view, but post that sky's the limit. Yeah. I mean, not even just that, just even a perception point of view as well. It's kind of everything he, he's, he's got a long way to go, but he'll get there quicker than most. You know, I agree. And he's, you can't write him off. He's going to succeed no matter what. It's just a matter of just kind of wait and see what happens with the platform. I, yeah. You know, and the other, you know, <laughs> I just remember something that you were talking about. Can you fire someone on the first day? He might have already had closed door conversations with all these guys. I said, look, listen, this is happening. I'm taking it over. And as soon as I do, you guys are out. So no, of course you can fire people on the first day. There was anxiety. I mean, the week prior to the acquisition closing, he was saying that 70 to 75% of the staff will go. I'm going to go. It was already anxiety. Yeah. And another thing, another thing that people don't factor in about Elon is this mother effort is good at consumer. Oh, he's great. He, he, he took Tesla to market. So yeah, we don't all engage with SpaceX on a daily basis. We don't all engage with the boring company on a daily basis, but everybody in their grandma today, today knows about Tesla. Tesla was the lead domino that actually they became so progressively excellent at electric vehicles that they were the people that forged the path that forced the hand of Jaguar, 
Ford, GM, yeah, all of these cats, yeah, all these guys to really step up their R and D, move out of R and D and move into execution and prototyping for their electric vehicles. These companies could have done this fifteen years prior, but nobody blazed the trail. They all these companies because they were relying on fossil fuels were happy to continue to drill where there's oil, no pun intended. They all purposely wanted to go with second mover advantage. They were like, let somebody else do the capex to move into this industry and almost go broke two or three times. When he opened the door, they just followed because, you know, they all bought Teslas, brought them back to the factory, 15 of them, unscrewed, unscrewed them 35 different ways and said, okay, cool. Fundamentally, here's how we make our Ford EcoSport go from petrol to battery. Yeah, look, he, he's, 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 He's great, like in from that point of view. There's no denying it. There's zero denial, and yeah, look, man, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what he does with it. I think diversifying the use cases, the use case of Twitter, is is a very very smart take. Um, and you know, there's Neuralink and everything, right? So integration into his other businesses, streaming stuff for SpaceX. You know, putting into putting into Tesla, using Neuralink somewhere along the line. I don't know, but th- these are all options, and he'll probably take every single option. Mm. He'll probably just take, and he'll probably be. You know, when people go right, we'll throw throw mud against the wall and see what sticks. More of his mud sticks than it does <laughs> in general. So I think yeah, he's, yeah, he's going to be a success, and he'll get he'll get to that neutral point way quicker than arguably any other entrepreneur or business person. Yeah, I mean, look, that's a very good point. I wanted to mention this. You know, one of the first things he put into the news cycle is, I'm going to start charging people $20 for the blue check if you're verified on Twitter. People pushed back. Kara Swisher was like, I'm not paying it. And she knows it, Elon. She's like, I'm not paying it because I actually make that platform valuable with her tweets and her comments and her community and her following. Good, fair point. There are certain people where it's better for the platform for the person to be on, and it is better for the person to be on the platform. Kara Swish is one of those people. Another one of those people is Stephen King, the author of horror movies. He posted out a tweet being like, $20, F you, I'm leaving. If I have to pay $20, I'm out. Twitter should be paying me for the kind of community I built here. What was interesting here is that Stephen King has been famous our whole lives right? We're in our 40s. But Elon chose that tweet to be the tweet that he messaged back to. And he goes, okay, fair enough. How about $8? So Elon goes, I've got to keep, I've got to, the company's losing money. I've got to keep the lights on. How about $8? Say what you want. That tweet and that sequence of events post-acquisition was fully prescribed. Yeah. The PR team, Stephen King, Elon Musk all figured this out in advance where Elon's were like, Elon was like, right, I'm going to leak out that I'm going to charge $20 for a blue check. Stephen King, immediately you're going to call me out on it and call it BS. And I'll, as a thank you, I'll reply directly to your tweet. People will screen grab it and it'll go crazy as it did. It made Stephen King hotter than he ever was. It made Elon start to show that he's being, he to give an example of, his approach to elasticity when it comes to pricing. It was, it was, it was very, a very, very good move, and it worked. No, no one's going into a $44 billion takeover without having 
thought things out for the first few months at least. Right. And he's think he's probably thought out the first two years. Yeah. Things in this change. man's back office. But, yeah, in this man's back office. He's got like a, a big whiteboard that just <laughs> maps everything out. Bro, if okay, look, we all know who Jason Kalkanis is. We all know who yeah. uh, David Sachs is, right? Because we know them because of the fact that they are their own media platforms. They're yeah. big guys. They're killing it. They're doing what they're doing. If we know certain people that he knows, who do we not know that he knows? Oh, dude, forget about it. Right? So how do we not know that right now, Elon Musk wants to build Twitter into this lovable, regenerated consumer platform? How do we know today, heading into the fourth, deep into the fourth quarter, that already Elon hasn't hired the equivalent of a Rory Sutherland or the former brand officer of Hershey or Coca-Cola or Six Flags Great America, like, or HBO, like, this man can hire whoever the hell he wants and say, right, if there was an all-time crack team of people to regenerate a brand, I'll focus on the technology, I'll focus on the business, I'll focus on product. You focus on making sure that everybody loves us for who we are. Mm. We only know David Sachs and Jason Kalkanis. And, and they're generally like well-liked people. <laughs> and we only and know them because they're well-known. We don't know the 660 people that he's already talking to that are the greatest of all time when it comes to consumer and brand yeah. that we've yeah. never heard of. Yeah, which is mad. And uh, he's, he's definitely putting people around him that people are going to like. So he's, he's top of the food chain, polarizing this, that, the other, controversial, brings a sink in, big deals, overpriced, this, that, the other. But if he has a team around him that are solid, good track records that are well liked that diffuses all of the stuff that he's doing and it actually gives him permission to still be kind of crazy and a bit wild and say outlandish stuff which is obviously all planned it's not like a Kanye moment but uh but it gives people confidence mm. in what his ability to do is because then it's not just him it's like oh, okay oh the chief this of coke we don't know him, but his track record is great, and he seems like a good guy. Elon can't be bringing him on board, or he won't come on board with Elon if he was a dummy, you know. Yeah. Like, so yeah, no, it's a, see a, a bunch of good points. Um, obviously Alex is not on the show, so let me just contribute on his behalf. Yeah, for sure. All right, good. So let's wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap up. Let's wrap up uh, that point about Twitter. We got some good bits on there, and then you know. Elon is a guy you can trust, uh, a bona fide celebrity. Let's head over to an absolute schmuck face. Came out today, you know. I was I was on Instagram Live today. I don't think you were on the live, right? But I was on Instagram Live today. And I said, Dubai Q&A. The only questions I got asked from the people that came on my Instagram Live today were, what do you think of the UK economy? And what's the global perception of the UK? Well. Just when you thought it couldn't get any lower, absolute schmeal, Matt Hancock, former health secretary, served under Cameron and Theresa Cameron. May, uh, has come out and said today that whilst he's an active member of parliament, which he is, he's been suspended or he's been kind of given a timeout, that he's actually going to join I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, which for those of you who don't watch this show, you're very lucky. 
It's an absolute piece of trash. Basically, celebrities, and we're talking about the range of celebrity. We're talking about C to F list celebrities. Head over to head over to Australia. Effectively, they live in a jungle. It's a combination of living. It's a combination of like the kind of chemistry between people, like you're getting Big Brother, and it's also a combination of challenges where you're eating like cooked kangaroo genitals. Matt Matt Hancock has gone there. Rishi Sunak, I believe, said, um, if this man's got a job to do right now and he's an active member of parliament, it wouldn't be appropriate for him to do this show. Uh, so we're going to put him on timeout. Folks out of Matt Hancock's campus said, yep, you know what, we're going to do this. We want to use it to raise awareness of dyslexia. The reality is, Matt Hancock, if you've been watching this cat, you know, he did Stephen Bartlett's show. Uh, he did a cut. He's, he's been doing some other media appearances. He's trying to pivot from a generally like hated politician into somebody who's loved by the media, but I don't think he has any idea how to go from where he is right now, point A, to somebody loved, especially in UK households where the UK consumer in general, firstly, is a natural cynic. Secondly, has a predisposition to not trusting politicians in general. This is a bit of a stupid move, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's the stupidest move. I think this is a desperate, desperate plea, really, because he was disgraced in like 2021, right? During the pandemic. He was making out with some chick on CCTV. Yeah, so he was, not only was he doing that when he shouldn't be doing it, he was also breaking social distancing rules. He got caught. You know, there's the whole controversy about you know, the parties in the UK government and, and, you know, he was part of the center of it. Why he's still a politician, God knows, but he is. This I'm a celebrity thing will only do one of two things to a celebrity, make them less of a celebrity or make them more of a celebrity, but that's all it's going to make them. And when I say more of a celebrity, these guys that come out of here might get if they look good on the show, they might get like some presenting gigs and maybe a little bit of a spot on EastEnders, which is a soap opera in the UK or, you know, whatever it might be. But they're not going to be held in high regard at all. And if they do, it's only just going up a rung as a quote unquote celebrity. A politician that goes into it, they're going into it to, to become a celebrity, not to become a better politician or to become a better politician in the eyes of the UK people. So that's what I think it is. And I well, read, no, he's, I read let's, be, let's be let's be let's give it 1000. He's already a celebrity. I mean, not in the sense that he's celebrated for his work, but he's already a house, not a household name, but anybody of the like anybody who follows politics or at least watches the news will know who this man is. Yeah, sure. The thing is, let, let's look at the, the base here. Is he known? He's quite known. Yeah. Is he liked? No. Is he trusted? No. He's going in it to do a like trust move. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to be able to pull it off. I'll tell you one thing. Sorry, just before just before you get into it, I don't because this might give you more context. Me and Fat Man Scoop started to become like, you know, close the year or two prior to him doing Big Brother. Mm. At that time, he had the uh he told me in confidence, he was like, Yo, man, by the way, I'm thinking about doing Big Brother. What do you reckon? And I said, well, you know, I've been watching Big Brother since the early 2000s. Me personally, bro, I wouldn't do it. It's whack. It's corny. You don't have any control over the edit. And there's a high chance that people are going to hate you and you're going to be coerced without you even knowing into 
being in a situation where it's not going to become good for you and you're in the business of people coming out to festivals, thousands of tens of thousands of people coming out to watch you perform, this could have a detrimental effect on that. He was like, no, no problem. If that's what you're telling me, I've got it from here. And this guy, great guy, actually managed to get in and get out and level up. But that is yeah. the exception. That's not the rule. The rule is nice. that, that's get sliced up. Yeah, that's the point I'm making. He's not a celebrity in the traditional sense of what a celebrity is. He is well known because Matt Hancock, class, not Scoop. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Of course, yeah, Matt Hancock. Uh, sorry, Scoop. Yeah, Matt Hancock. Um, no, so he's not a celebrity in the traditional sense. The reason why you're saying he's a celebrity is because he's well known. He's a household name because he's a politician in the UK that has gone through a higher high position in government. Number one and number two, a controversial like controversy. So he's going to be known in the public eye. But when I say celebrity, I mean like like non-politics, but a lot of politicians are celebrities now globally, right? Because mm. social media and it's just, they've got to play that position. I'd, being... I'd, say, I'd say they're famous. I wouldn't say they're celebrities. If we, yeah, no, if but we say celebrity is in somebody celebrities who's... in the traditional sense. They're famous, yeah. they're well-known. But this is a plea. This is like a desperate plea, I think, to become a celebrity. That's what I'm trying to say like ah okay 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 does that make sense so they're not he's not going in there he said like he, he was trying to justify his reading he said look you know my job as a politician is to spread the news of what we do like spread the message of what we do and what we believe in as you know a political party what we stand for what we're going to do for the people and we've got to get that message to people so i'm going to go to where the people are which is i'm a celebrity get me out of here now that's utter crap like that is the biggest load of crap i've heard in the longest time the fact is and i'll and i don't care if it's right or wrong this is my 100 percent belief he's going in there to become a celebrity because if he can get again like with all of these celebrities if he can get a portion of people to like him he'll then go on to be able to do other stuff you know we speak a lot about personal brands and the power that personal brands have you know we spoke about things like mr beast having the people he can then go off youtube and open up food and this and that and x y x y z and he's got the people behind him i think he's trying to do that he knows the end is nigh when rishi sunak came into power he he was handshaking everyone shaking everyone's hands he bypassed matt hancock yeah matt, matt, hancock matt, 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 matt hancock is a, an absolute blood clot and also like here's yeah. the point. He's not got he's not got a follow-on strategy. Like the greatest this thing is about his follow-on strategy, dude. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but I'm saying it's, he, it's, he he's not he's whack. not got a credible one. Like no Obama was out in the last seven days campaigning for some different folks yeah. for, for some large state uh senators, and Obama was on it. He was like he was like Dwayne Johnson, like the rock, like out here passionately putting it in. This person's gonna be Obama's gonna be able to do a million dollars a keynote. From now until the day that he dies, hopefully, I like I like his style. To be fair, but Mac Hancock hasn't got that pipeline. No, and so you're right. He's 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 using this uh, you know, quite synthetic celebrity format to to build a follow-on strategy for he's him. Trying because... to he's trying to carry up favor, basically. He's trying to go. Okay, if I can get, if I can get. Uh higher in public sentiment i think is a phrase right mm. the, then whatever happens to me politically i've got a cushion to land on now if that 
and oh, man, I can't believe I'm we're getting into this, but here, here's the thing: the British public, on mass, fall for that. Yeah, they just do, you know. And the unfortunate thing is that it could quite, it could very well work for him. He could have a little run of a decade after being a politician of being like this kind of made-up celebrity. You know and what people, it is? You know what it is? People Vic, just up. move on from what he did. Let me give you a punctuation point. What my man's trying to do right now is he's trying to go the William Shatner route. He's like, I know I'm a tool. I'm going to be basically become a parody of myself. And here's what it's going to be. And everything's up for grabs, including me being in the being in the jungle in Australia and eating like a kangaroo's balls. That's actually what's going to happen. He's like, he literally do move, anything to be that guy. That's it's, the reason why he's moving around with different chicks when he's married. He's doing that yes, because, dumb. because the dude is just insecure. What an idiot. Anyway, listen, point being is that, <laughs> you know, just when you thought the UK couldn't hit any other lows, and it, you know, back to my point about what dudes were saying on, uh, on Instagram today on Instagram Live, you know, the UK just continues to find new ways of just being an absolute imbecile. And I, I don't think we've seen the last of it. The, the fourth quarter is a busy, it's a busy time when it comes to news. A lot of media stuff happening. A lot of people, a lot of people asking you to pay attention to TV, including the BBC. I don't think it's, we, we've seen the last of this. I think we're just going to, we're going to hit many, many more lows and there's going to be a recession and then literally hell's going to freeze over. So let's see how that, let's see how that works out for the UK. Speaking of hell freezing over, uh, it's the second frostbite for your best mate, Vic, James Corden. Uh, accusations of really, you know, there's two places where plagiarism is considered a deadly sin. One of them is academia, and you can get around it by citing your sources. Another place is comedy, where you do not have the option of citing your sources. Nobody wants to tell, hear you tell a joke and then at the end of it wrap it up with, as another comic said. In this situation, James Corden apparently has lifted a line from Ricky Gervais. Apparently it was given to him by the writers. We'll break it down, obviously, by checking out an article on The Guardian. But Vic, you're more of a comedy guy. What, what happened here? Well, one. Yeah, so, so James Corden, who's the host of The Late Late Show, who actually is said that he's not going to carry on. I think he resigned in April. I don't know when his last show is, but it's coming up. He was actually referencing Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. And, um, you know, he basically referenced the fact that Elon said, oh, you know, Twitter is going to be the town square. And he literally almost word for word, not lifted a line, but almost word for word, took a joke away from, like said a joke from Ricky Gervais's Humanity podcast, which was done four years ago, I think 2018. That was the the, the stand-up special that, that Ricky Gervais did. It's a joke about going into a town square, someone puts up a poster with guitar lessons available, and there's a clip going around on the internet of James Corden saying it, flipping to Ricky Gervais then James Corden, then Ricky Gervais, then James Corden. And he's literally saying it verbatim. But what's really interesting about it, so, okay, back to your point about plagiarizing. This is a no-no. This is like, this is this is the worst thing you can do in comedy. It's still someone else's joke. We've heard of other comedians doing that, like, you know, paying for jokes and stealing jokes and all that kind of stuff and getting away with it. 
there's a big comedian in America Carlos Mancia, Mancia who basically got cancelled by the comedian community because he stole I think a, a, a joke from Joe Rogan wow he, he stole uh, a Bill Cosby routine back when Bill Cosby was still accepted <laughs> you know so this is a big thing and this is on a big platform in America so I think the defense is this Ricky Gervais posted it on Twitter and said oh that joke's really funny isn't it and then um, made light of it really because then he was asked like do you think he stole your joke he goes no I don't think he stole it I think one of the writers came up with it from him oh, Ricky came, came, came up was with in inverted commas which you're saying yes. that he feels like the writer would have definitely been influenced by Ricky Gervais but then he'd have passed it on to this cat uh, James Corden yeah, so who'd, goes, then, he, who'd have then give it you know said it and here's, here's the craziest thing they're not worlds apart James Corden and Ricky Gervais They've come up in a similar time in the same country, in the same circuit, which is small. British comedy, TV comedy, Gavin and Stacey, The Office, you know, they're all around the same sort of time, if I remember correctly. It's not like they don't, like, I'm sure James Corden follows Ricky Gervais. I'm sure he watches his stand-up specials. He might not remember the joke specifically, but he's got to interrogate his writers, no? Or does he just, do you think he just trusts them? James Corden, I feel, did not change the world the way that Ricky Gervais did. Ricky no, Gervais, didn't. straight up, you know, Ricky Gervais. I'm, I'm certainly that. not saying. I'm not saying. Certainly not saying they have the same level of influence. Mm. Definitely not, because Ricky Gervais created The Office, which then spun off into God knows how many languages, but created one of the biggest sitcoms out of America as well, but of the same name, right? But yeah. um, but yeah, look, I you know, there's not really much to say to this, but. I think James Corden's had, like you said, his second frostbite. And uh, yeah, it's like slowly do the Homer thing and go into the bushes and bounce, really. If you're going to keep making these mistakes, it's not going to look good on you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would say this that if a, it was... This is a big no-no. Here's the thing. Here's what would have helped James Corden. If James Corden was a naturally funny guy, naturally funny guy with a unique style... I think it'd be fine. If James Corden was Eddie Izzard, it would be okay because their contribution to comedy would have outweighed this one mistake. James Corden to me, I'm not saying he isn't funny. I'm saying he doesn't make me laugh. So there are certain people that are ubiquitously funny that also make me laugh. This dude, clearly he's funny because people are laughing at him. And clearly he's funny because people love his content. But... It doesn't make me laugh. And so, yeah, it seems like a bit of a boo-boo. How I'd, If you'd asked me three months ago, would would James Corden, of all people, showed up on our podcast twice <laughs> in the last three months, I'd have been like, hell no, but, Not but even here we are. Not in the last three months, in the last, like, three weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be, you know, we'll, we'll end with him. It's going to be a short one in terms of uh, discussing news. I don't think we've ever had such a short discussion around the news this week what we are going to do right now dude this is a long discussion around news but only on like four topics yeah well you know the it's goal a is to make amount of topics but a long discussion but a good one Go the goal is to make people smart guaranteed that's going to happen we'll wrap up now with content recommendations uh you... about oh we... no no content recommendations then we'll end with that on about Got it. because because most people don't live in dubai and so maybe we'll put that towards the end so that if you're not really a Dubai cat, you can be like, all right, I'll end the episode 
before they do uh, out and about in Dubai. But also, by the way, if you're not living in Dubai, I still think you should listen to out and about in Dubai because we know some cool people and we got some really cool venues and some cool parties. So you should listen to that section because you'll get some dope recommendations. But for now, content recommendations. So are... yeah, man, we got we got a bunch. So these there's a couple that I haven't I haven't heard yet. Mark Andre Mark Mark Andreessen's podcast. He's is this his new podcast or is this a, an interview? No. So Arthi and Sriram are a couple from India, married, big participants in the last 20 years in the Silicon Valley scene. Mm. They spent time in Facebook, definitely Snapchat. Facebook, I believe, Snapchat and a bunch of other big tech companies. Uh, I believe Sriram and Mark met on Twitter. And then Sriram has been pulled into A16Z as a partner. And they had Mark Andreessen on there. Funnily enough, in the comments of this video, Mark Andre, people were saying, how have you only got 8,000 plays when you've got Mark Andreessen on here? So just so that people know, Mark Andreessen is in the royal family of like venture capital. He yeah. created the Netscape internet browser many years ago, has made a ton of money, uh, has invested in an incredible amount. Every, every large kind of internet web company that you know of, he's had his, he's participated in, in, in some way or another, or he can speak eloquently about, and he's just, he's just considered a great thinker. He's probably one of the most battle-tested people on the internet when it comes to his approach to technology and what makes good investment, considering how young the internet is. Um, incredible, because obviously he's colleagues with um, with Sriram and uh, good friends with Arti. So they have a really, really dope conversation. And actually, if you can get past the way that nerds talk, you know, we're, we're ultimately talking about three nerds. And so yeah. they have their little giggly moments where they just giggle over like a point or they need to get back to a valuable point, but they can't because they keep diverging because they keep trying mm -hmm. to go deeper layers on a joke and they can't let it go. And it's like, all right, yeah, cool. That was a funny moment, but stop spinning it off and let's get back to the original point. Yeah. But it's, it's not terrible. It's ult it's ultimately, it's not bad podcasting. It's just a bunch of Silicon Valley nerds that keep trying to throw in little quips and taking it one level further. It's like, yo, you're doing too much now. Let's get back to the original question. But other than that, um, very, very dope. I retweeted it. If you're not following me on Twitter, at Raj Kitecha on Twitter, become way more active on that recently. But a really, really good show. A couple of highlights for me. Number one, Mark Andreessen talks about creative people and entrepreneurs and some of their features. He breaks down a model called Ocean, O-C-E-A-N. Go check that out. Uh, and then he talks about a whole bunch of incredible stuff. But I feel like when it comes to content recommendations, when you've got an interview between Arthi Sriram and Mark Andreessen, actually us going into too much detail is not important because also this podcast isn't for everybody. This podcast is only for smart people. So which one? Ours. <laughs> huh? No, no, Oz. theirs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Theirs. Their podcast is not meant to be listened to by everybody. Their, their podcast is meant to be listened to by the brightest people. So the value of this segment is if you're a bright person and you've not heard of the fact that Mark Andreessen has already released this podcast, head over, go find it online. Arthi and Sriram's Good Time Show. All of my nerd friends that were heavy on Clubhouse during the pandemic, you'll have heard an early version of this show with Elon and some other folks on there. But now they've got this YouTube show. Go check it out. It's incredible. There's just so many wonderful, wonderful points in there. And if you're a reader, a lot of incredible books.
being referenced. Vic, one thing for you, because I know you're a former book reader. He says, I only read books that are like minimum 50 to 100 years old, or I read articles that are about the future. I don't read anything in between. I want something which is completely battle-tested from hundreds of years ago and still has principles that apply today, or I want speculative future-gazing stuff that's about a future that doesn't exist. I don't want to hear anything about in between. So that's very, very smart. dope interview. Yeah, pretty smart. Also, speaking of smart, speaking of Silicon Valley, speaking of investors, who knew that, weirdly, the author of this podcast is S&P Global Ratings. The name of the show is Fixed Income in 1515, the number. Latest episode with Chamath Paliapathia and one of the team from inside the S&P and hosted by S&P as well. Very, very good podcast. Incredible short amount of time on uh, Chamath's journey from where he is right now. Super vocal, celebrity venture capitalist to uh, scrolling all the way back to when he was in Waterloo in Canada. Obviously, he left Sri Lanka as a result of the war, went to Canada. Canada did a great job helping him get into certain opportunities and then eventually he moved to Silicon Valley, worked for Mark Zuckerberg, was responsible for a ton of growth. Apparently, him and his team came up with the term data scientist because somebody didn't want to work with them because they were an engineer and it was like data analyst or data something. So he said, okay, call it a data scientist. So he was part of the coining of that term. Very, very good podcast. I should say that I'm at the 80% mark of both of these, which means I've not heard it in full, but I definitely understand that both of these podcasts are super valuable. Otherwise, other pod content recommendations? You've podcast got one content. here. Yeah, so Marcus Brownlee, who's a Marquez. massive, massive. What did I say? Marcus, Marquez. No, I said Marquez. Oh, okay. Either way, <laughs> Marquez, MKBHD on the Flagrant podcast, which is Andrew Schultz and Akash Singh and crew. Um, he's he's on their most recent episode of the podcast. Mark, Marquez Brownlee is a huge, huge, huge tech reviewer on YouTube. This... This is a really good podcast. I, I do often listen to the Flagrant podcast, particularly when they have good guests on. So they had Mr. Beast, Louis C.K., Joe Rogan. They have a bunch of great guests on. When they do these guest appearance, like these, these interview-based podcasts, all of them come out of like flagrant comedy mode and really get into like smart questioning mode they have their moments you know they're comedians at the end of the day so they have their moments where they're being a bit flagrant but overall they're very like considered with their questions and marcus brown marcus brown lee is so smart like i don't hear a lot of interviews with him i watch his stuff and he's obviously that's more in context right he's talking about products they start asking him about you know content length they start talking to him about Neuralink and AI, um, the future of phones. What phones would he? What phone would he want? Um, all these questions around tech, and he's got a position and an articulate, well thought out answer for every single one. Who's the greatest entrepreneur? Why? Why does he believe that product led CEOs, you know, can be better than creative CEOs and why can creative CEOs be better than product led CEOs and how could they work together? You know, all of these things really, really good. Very, very, very good interview. And he's, he's just great. Like he comes out with some really significant points. Um, he was talking about 
do you know what? Have you heard about an AI AI based focus on a camera? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's only like recently been like announced where it tracks. I don't really know how it works, but it it focuses on the eye and the the, the face. And if it, like another one comes in, it will like wait for that one to leave before it refocuses. There's some weird stuff that it does. But anyway, he's like he's talking about this crazy stuff that I'd never even heard of. And he just breaks it down so well. It's a really I, I definitely recommend anyone to listen to that one. Nice. Dope. Well, shout out to uh, our friend Andrew Schultz and Akash Singh. Andrew Schultz, I say it every time I get a chance, but he was he's always been mad nice to me and uh, gave me free tickets to his show in New York. So big up to him. And if you actually asked me as well to think randomly and outside the box about which creators would I want to talk to each other, yeah, the idea of Marquez Brown Lee and Andrew Schultz talking to each other with Akash Singh is a dope idea. So I'm glad that's yeah. happened. I've not seen it, but... If you say it's dope, I'm definitely going to watch it. I mean, I would inevitably at some point watch it anyway, but if you're saying it's like that good, then it's going to be a priority for this week. Specifically because you're a fan of um, Marquez Brownlee as well. All of well. them. I'm a fan of all of them. You're a fan I'm of all of them. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like the pairing, you know what I mean? And yeah. then you've got, then the next one that we should really talk about is Scott Galloway on Diary of a CEO, Stephen Bartlett's podcast. So I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of Scott Galloway. I've been on this cat for a long time. What were your thoughts? Yeah, great. You know, I listen to I listen to Scott Galloway not as heavily as you. I dip in and out a little bit more. What I like about Scott Galloway is this: he's experienced, he's successful, and he's had his ups and downs. But he he has a really like straightforward, honest approach to everything he does, everything he says. Sorry. And and it comes across, he is really, really, really good at saying things very, very straightforward, very honestly, using facts, statistics to back it up, using his own experience and bringing that into what he says. So that's one thing. And I really appreciate that. It's like a no bullshit approach. But one thing that I liked about this, and I don't know if he does this much because you know, as I said, he dips in, I dip in and out, but he talked a lot about family, kids, lifestyle, a little bit less about business um, and tenacity and grit and things like that, like things that he feels are lacking in like younger generations and his approach and his viewpoints, like I, I really resonate with a lot of them because you know, I grew up in a family where my parents were busy working really hard. Work-life balance is very tricky, but they gave us an amazing life and a great and a great family life as well. And, you know, I see myself now, you know, we, like, you know, I'll just put it out, it's half 12 at night, you know, and we're recording the podcast. And, you know, we're working all day, every day, and finding a work-life balance is difficult, but he puts it into perspective really well. So I resonated a lot. And I think if you're well, wait, just let's drill, drill down on that because you're you're right. Especially the last three and a half weeks, we have been doing an insane amount of work. For me, it's not a problem because work is what I do, and pleasure comes easy. But what is it that resonated about him speaking about work life balance with you as a over decade married father of a nine year old? You know, changed cities twice in the last 
six years specifically what is it that resonated with you i'm curious as just just like a motherfucker but like just as your cousin do you know what i mean but like I, i'm really curious to hear specifically as opposed to high level so okay so the, it's interesting because the work-life balancing that he talks about he actually says forget work-life balance like you know it comes with sacrifice if you want to be successful if you want to have these you know great things in your life it's going to come with sacrifice and i know that i've seen that i've lived it but he also says that i'm working on work-life balance i'm working on spending more time with my kids and all that kind of stuff but the bit that really stood out to me and I find myself doing this a lot, but not enough. And I find myself not doing it a lot as well is being present. So he said, my son, he said, kids don't want to do what you want to do. They want to do what they want to do. No matter what they want to do, whatever time you spend with them, be present. So now I have, I have a, you know, I pick up my son from school. I make sure that for the most part, dinner time is with the family. There are times where I can't, of course, but that period, and you and I know this together, that there's that this little kind of 6.37 o'clock till about 8.39, where I'm generally offline, generally speaking. And that at that point in time, whatever Ine wants to do, we, we kind of just do because you need to be present, need to be there. But there are a lot of times in the past where I found myself not being present. And that bit really stood out to me. And I know it's very cliched, but when you're in a position where you're working, you know, so hard, loads of hours running around and I'm doing like a million things in one day. Like I came to you yesterday. I said, I got to you at like 11 o'clock. I said, I've done a full like morning's work like all the way to the afternoon, it's only 11 o'clock, I started at 5.30, you know, my days can be pretty mad. So, so yes, he's right, work-life balance is difficult, he says it's unachievable, forget it, I think it's difficult, but if you can find work-life balance, even if it's just a couple of hours, whatever those hours are, you've got to make them count. If it's two hours in a day, if it's four hours across a week, if it's one hour on a weekend, whatever it is, you're not doing the work to not spend time with your family. You're doing it because you want to support them and have something for the future where you can spend time with them. We can't forget the moments where when you do achieve the work-life balance, you're super present. Then he said, so that's one thing. And then the other thing that really stood out to me is he goes that he wishes he was more kind in the past and then i got to thinking i was like if he was kind he probably wouldn't have achieved the success that he has but he probably wouldn't have made the same mistakes he had so it's a bit of a, a difficult kind of curse that he's probably put himself into i believe in kindness and ever since i heard that and i and i you know drum this into in a lot and he's very kind he's very empathetic but i've i felt myself doubling down on that a little bit more since I heard the podcast, maybe it's just a subconscious thing, but with him, just doubling down on it a bit more, just like highlighting the kindness. When the parent, when the teachers say, look, he's really kind, he's done this, he's done that, you know, celebrating that with him. So that kind of just lifts him up. Because mm. I don't want I, him in 40 years, sorry, Raj, to interrupt. I don't want him in 40 years to be a successful business guy being on a podcast going, I wish I was kinder. 
Mm. I would hate. I would hate for that to happen to him. There was a temporary dark age in mo- modern technology, CEO entrepreneurism, Web two, where being that dark, driven, futuristic, new vision of the future guy was the shtick, and it Steve was exemplified. It was exemplified by Steve Jobs. You know, one of my friends who I think I've told you this story where he knows people at Apple very high up naturally because of who this particular friend of mine is that had champagne bottles chilled, iced, ready to open when the text came through that Steve Jobs died. Steve Jobs died. That's how much he was hated. It's madness. By certain people. Obviously, as a result of like exchanges and, you know, interactions that these people had had. And so there was a period of time where it's like, listen, if you, you know, is if then scenario, if you've been fortunate enough to be given a version of the future, wherever that's come from, and that's a version of the future you want to work for, then you have the right to be nasty to your employees. And then that period of time lasted for as long as it lasted. And then the Gary V's came along and, you know, and then Tony, Tony Robbins had his revival and all these other people. And then kindness became much more part of it. But there was a temporary period of time, like in a movie where it's good versus evil, where it seems like in a three hour movie for 20 minutes, evil's just running it. And that's what it was. It's like, if you want to be a visionary CEO and you want to build a version of the future, hardware, internet, software, mobile technology, entertainment, whatever, you can be an asshole and you can spit your like dummy out of the baby basket. And then it, it, it didn't not, last too long. It's gone now. It didn't last long, but it's not the only industry that it happened. Like think about finance in the eighties and nineties. You know, it's 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 true, been true. going. It's been happening, but we see it more in Steve Jobs because such a public figure. You know, such a huge transformational company. Company that's, you know, the most valuable company in the world, and you know all of these things. That's why we see it more in Steve Jobs. But it's been happening. Like being the angry, you know, demanding boss is a trope that's been there yeah forever like forever and ever and ever yeah but and what you know, i do like to hear is people like scott galloway who well who's well respected saying i wish i'd been more kind now it's one thing people preaching kindness so gary preaches it and his is super authentic we know him well enough to know there's no bullshit around that he's super authentic about it but then there are also a lot of other people where you see just them on a podcast and a microphone talking about kindness, but you've got no idea whether they are or not or whatever. They're just saying that you should be. But Scott says, this is my experience. This is my background. This is what I've done. This is why I'm saying it. And this is who I am now. He's not like hiding behind anything. He's actually just putting everything out there. And I really appreciate that about him. He's super honest. And the other thing I'd say about the interview, sorry, is that Stephen Bartlett was on his game in that one, man. Steve, like, Stephen Bartlett shipped in a 10 out of 10 performance on the Scott damn, Galloway interview. Damn, he was so good on that. Because he was, we spoke about it, right? He was in and out. He would like ask a question, the, the shortest question possible, because he knows Scott's smart. He doesn't need to ask, a question with super context and like super background and this, that, and the other. And when he needed to double down and ask further questions or 
express his point of view. He did, but he was in and out. And he just let Scott Galloway talk. And and it was a really enjoyable, I only listened to it, I didn't watch it. Very, very enjoyable interview to listen to. And and it was not that Scott Galloway was saying anything like, I haven't heard before or whatever. He frames it all very well. It's just a very well-paced, smart, at the right level interview. And I think it's not too smart for anyone to listen to. Yeah. I think everyone can listen to this interview. I think at some point in that interview, I think that Scott Galloway picked up at some point in that interview that Stephen Bartlett is better at asking questions in general than even Scott Galloway is. Scott Galloway is a brilliant, inquisitive, thoughtful, critical speaker and asker of questions. But Stephen Bartlett at that same role is better. So to see Stephen Bartlett extract answers from Scott Galloway took the relief away from Scott Galloway about justifying the question when he gets asked it and elaborating it. You know, some people go, well, you know, I think a better question to ask is, or maybe another way to look at it is he didn't do that with Stephen Bartlett. He took the question he was asked and he was like, damn, that's a good question. And then he started answering that question. And I think that's as somebody who's done a lot of interviews, that's a very magic moment. And I actually wrote before I even watched this joint, when I saw that, that, Scott Galloway, who's recently moved to the United Kingdom, went on Scott uh, Stephen Bartlett podcast. I was like, yo, this is going to be crazy. I wrote a, f a, a bunch of bullet points on LinkedIn. I was like, this podcast will be good because both of these guys are high EQ guys. It's going to roll out this way. Did, uh, and and it, was, it was a delight to watch. Maybe one of my favorite Stephen Bartlett ones. You know, good, good job to both those dudes. I, I like both yeah. those guys as creators. I'm sure. a huge fan of Scott Galloway. I yeah. recently have started quite liking Stephen Bartlett since we met him. You know, great, great, great piece of content to check out. Next up, couple of couple of recommendations. Um, you know, if you've got a chance to see Puffy dressed up as the Joker on Halloween, that's dope. That whole thing that was very, very good. I feel like Puffy got into uh, into the vibe until he kicked off on some Hollywood actor or something like that. That was a bit of an unfortunate moment. Um, actually, it's not a content recommendation. Don't watch it unless you like sat on the toilet. Uh, do you want to give a shout out to the playlist? Have you watched it? Yeah. So, so I, I started watching it. I think last night, or the night before I'm on episode three. So the playlist is a limited series on Netflix about Spotify. When I saw it come up, I thought it was a bit like the social network. I didn't, I didn't even realize it was a limited episode until I opened it up six episodes about essentially what seems to be the inception of Spotify, like the very, very, very beginning. So it starts off with Daniel Eck um, before he started his first business at Vertigo, which is an ad platform, which he then sold to Trade Doubler, which is an affiliate marketing company. Yeah, I know that one. For 10 million kroner, which is in those days about 800,000 pounds, maybe about a million dollars. Not a lot of money, but in Sweden, I'm sure it's a lot. And then going on to come to the idea of Spotify and then going to the guy who bought his company, one of the partners of Trade Doubler, and said, look, I want to start this company. Spotify, this is my idea. Come on board as the investor, so on and so forth. Then building the team, building the platform, building, like trying to get the record labels on board, et cetera. Now, actually what's really interesting about this show, and I'm only three episodes in, the first episode is called 
the vision. It's from Daniel X's point of view. Wow. Then at the end, the head of Sony Music goes face to camera and says, this is how it happened. The second episode is called The Industry. It's from the industry's point of view. So these two episodes, wow. although they're one and number two, they, they, the stories are running in parallel. Wow. So then it takes the same story, same timeline, roughly speaking, you know, with a small variance, but from the industry's point of view. The third one is the law. So now it's from the lawyer who joins Spotify from her point of view. But they end each episode with the main protagonist, the main character of the next episode going to camera saying, this is now my my story, the law story. Then it's one for decoder the something else of oh, the artist and there was one other i can't remember i didn't even look it up so you know spotify's whole thing is like the vision of spotify the law behind it the artist the industry all everyone that it impacted the, the programmer inside the business the main main programmer from their point of view very smart it's in swedish so you need to like put subtitles on but it's really good, man. Like, just the th there's just a different points of view. It, there's a bit of sensationalism in it and whatever. Oh, they do a little party. Oh, who's that DJ? Oh, his name is like Tim, but everyone, but he just calls himself Avicii. And, you know, it's just like, oh, he's like certain sensational like things that happen, but it's, it's, it's pretty raw. It's pretty gritty. It's not like American, it's Swedish. So it's a bit got that kind of European kind of feel to it. It's cool, man. It's good. I'd recommend it. I'm only on episode three, but I like the different points of view. It's very smart. Nice. Cool. And then to wrap up, uh, I saw the first 16 minutes of Dubai Bling. Somebody saw it this week and they were like, they, oh, Sal saw it. He said he watched the first five minutes. It was terrible. I was like, well, I would have not watched it normally, but I want to watch what his description of terrible is. And so I watched it. I got 16 minutes in until I was disturbed by something or another in life. And uh, I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. I would say that, you know, there's a couple of dudes that we know on there. Obviously, DJ Bliss mm -hmm. is a, a mutual friend of ours. Yep. Um, he did not appear in the first 16 minutes. So I can't comment on anything to do with him. But shout out to Bliss. Bliss, that's our guy. Um, who, we, who we did see on there a fair amount, quite prominent, was Chris Fade. Who, again, is not a friend, but a guy that we see around and bump into and whatnot. Um, and a good dude. And actually, he came across pretty well. There was a yeah. scene where he was describing his family. He was just, he was sounding pretty humble, definitely like highlighting the highs and the lows. And when he spoke about the highs, based on the fact that he's actually got one of the hottest FMCG companies in the country and soon probably to be the world with FadeFit, uh, he was very humble about it. He's like, you know, we sell these energy products. And he's like, he, down, he, he downplayed the stuff that if he'd upplayed it would have made him look like an ass. And he upplayed the stuff that's really good and like you know positive characteristics you see him at dinner and the way that he's conversating it's like yeah this is a guy i'd have a beer with so chris faded came across really well i'd say what is detrimental about this show based on the first 16 minutes of episode one is that broadly by gender it painted women as superficial money hungry disinterested in anything that's not got to do with social climbing or capital and it broadly painted the men as oh my God, I've got to deal with this woman or, oh my God, 
I'm a pragmatic, well-rounded person. So I feel like we are communicating ourselves to the world. We are the, we're definitely one of the best cities in the world. We're communicating our cities in the world to the world. Netflix, who we all pay money to, has decided to make this Netflix original that highlights these things, that does the slow-mo woman walking in the dress and the diamonds and the this and the sound bites. I don't think it's very good. I don't know if I'm going to watch it all the way through. The people that I know on that show I already like, so it's not going to change my opinion of them, I don't think. Um, but, you know, otherwise it's trash. I would say this. Here's how I would describe, here's how I would describe the Bibling. It's not made... It's it's made for idiots, but it's clearly not made by idiots. Fair, <laughs> okay, fair. So it's interesting. I watched. I was I was sitting on the on the sofa, and I was actually doing some research for today, actually for this podcast, and it was on in the background because Shailen and Ine were like, "Oh, let's watch it." So actually, I watched the first twenty-one minutes. Now I wasn't paying super attention. Bliss didn't come up, and Bliss shout out to Bliss. Every time I've seen him, met him, interacted with him, always love. Really, really great guy. Yeah, Bliss is A1. And Chris I've never met. Sorry? Yeah, no, Bliss is A1. And Chris is Chris yeah. Fade's a good dude as well. Yeah, I've never met him, but you know, I hear very, very good things about Chris. What what I would say is this. I can't really comment on the show. I wasn't really paying attention. What I do like that they did, if you want to say something positive, is that they had a lot of them speaking in Arabic. And yeah. I don't know why, but I like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. There's English and Arabic. I just thought that was cool. That's kind of some authenticity. But yeah, look, you know, I've said it before. There, there, there's more to Dubai than just bling. There's a lot more. Yes, it is flashy. Yes, people have money. You know, yes, there are many, many, many millionaires here. But there is a middle class that are just working, hustling, doing their thing, supporting the family, just getting on with life. So there is that as well. So, you know, it'd be nice to see see that highlighted in some way but you know the eyes are on dubai and the whole world wants to see what they want to see and they're being given it so it's just a starting point i guess yeah i think i think big media netflix will lean into the stereotypes because they've already the the conveying of those stereotypes started way before netflix and it's just an easier message to put across because the road is somewhat lubricated to get that message across already and it's up to people like us and this podcast and our individual social medias to really, really show what the real is. Speaking of the real, uh, we 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 really are given, you know, four huge shout-outs this week to our Toronto man them Nyai or Lemlot that say that. So we've got four birthday shout-outs to basically some of our favorite people from Toronto. First up, happy birthday and congratulations to Travi from Mixed Feelings. We spoke about him a hundred times on the show. Um, he did. He took action and did one of the things that I've prayed for the next generation of DJs to do, which is that he did his own party. He collected emails. He sold tickets. He came up with a concept. He took over a venue. And what he did, which was quite unique, is he had uh, a bunch of people come and DJ at that event. So obviously, Beru's his partner, but also like, uh, you know, DJ Colleone and, uh, you know, Crown Prince and different people like he had all these like dope artists, Sonia come and perform Novemberus to me, just great people. Uh, I might have even thrown in some people that were not there there, but like, you know, the, 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 the folks, the, the, the guys and girls that, that really make it pop in the city. I think chef codes as well. And a few others. So big up to him, man. Happy birthday to him and well done by giving. I look banging as well. 
Yeah, Dubai, well, well done. Well done for making something for the people of Dubai to yeah. commemorate your birthday. I hope this young man at 35 years old realizes how great that's going to pay off over yeah. the over the length of a career. Agreed. Also, agreed. Sorry, am I, am I, did you want to jump in? No, I'd said agreed, man. Like we've spoken about Travi a lot. Great kid. Party looked dope. Glad he did it. And uh, happy birthday, man. Yeah. And there is footage, you know, um, I don't think you'll mind me saying, but like we were speaking about the party beforehand from a technical point of view, where you might put the cameras, which cameras, how you might shoot it, duh, duh, because obviously we did our boiler room and it was the craziest party. Uh, and we've been in this space a long time. The little clips that he's putting online look really exciting. So very excited to see what he does with that. Uh, also, Julian Lutz, aka or formerly known as Director X, superstar director of so many incredible, iconic videos, Usher, yeah, Drake, Hotline, Bling, Ludacris, Pimpin' all over the world, all the way back to like Jay-Z, Big Pimpin', early Aaliyah days, rest in peace. So very good friend of ours, big supporter of Love Soul, um, always been down for the cause. Much love to Julian. Uh, we text weekly, but you know, I just got a lot of respect for that. I've got a lot of respect for people that are worldwide, like ubiquitous, like unbelievable artists that still keep it real with, you know, folks like us that are, that are in a different, in a different space. So, yeah. so big up to big up to Julian. Happy birthday. Um, all these people I care about tremendously. Clayton Peters, happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Clayton, man. I mean, Clayton, we've spoken about a bunch of times. We've been on the podcast. We've interviewed him. Huge, huge, huge influence in our lives and a huge mentor for us, particularly in the early days and continues to be so. It was his birthday last week. So massive, massive birthday shout out to Clayton. And another, another, another Canadian Toronto legend. The goal. And again, another big, another big mentor of ours. And frankly speaking, the GOAT, Mr. Starting mm. from Scratch, DJ Starting from Scratch. It was his 50th birthday the other day. Yeah, big up yourself, Mark. Thank you so much for, for everything you've done. It's funny, like, he's mentor slash inspiration because I think part of his mentorship comes from actually watching him do his craft. And we see that with Clayton. We see Clayton yeah. executing, like, worldwide tours. Yeah. But yeah. also, Clayton, we've spent multiple multiple hours with having very tactical, practical conversations. Whereas with, S, with SF, I was going to say SFS, with Scratch, with Mark, you see him performing and yes, of course he'll talk to you. He's a great dude, but a lot of how he kind of inspires you and coaches you is just through you watching him. I actually posted a day before his birthday, a little clip of me at the Apollo in Manchester. I don't know if you saw it on my Instagram, Yeah, I saw it, yeah. Where I just gave up, just dapped him up. And I was like, I watched that video for real, for real. I watched that video on my phone every couple of weeks, because to me, that's like, yeah, I made it like, I'm friends with my favorite artists and know those, those artists come to my city where I've got a history with an iconic venue like the Apollo. Like that moment, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm so happy where I'm watching my favorite DJ in my city, in the place where I came to watch my first concert. And so I just got, I, I just had so much love for that moment. I posted it randomly a day or two before his birthday. And then lo and behold, a couple of days later was his birthday. So just shout out just to him. On that. Yeah, yeah, just on that, actually, Scratch does do that. He inspires you through the way he plays. But for me, he's always thrown out a gem. like, and, I, and he doesn't do it to throw out a gem. He just says something, and I don't think he even realizes how smart he is when he says it. So when we were at West Lodge, he, he did a gig a couple, few years ago at West Lodge, and I was watching him, and he just took the crowd on this crazy journey. 
And I said to him, you told me you're going to play this, you're going to take him here, but it took you almost an hour to do it. He goes, yeah, he said, he just told me that you've got to take him on this journey. And he just colored it in a little bit. He just told me like blase. So you take things away like that as well. But yeah, look, big shout out to these guys. We've spoken about them many times on this podcast and yeah, this is going to live it up in Toronto for his birthday, right? He's doing a big party. So yeah, yeah. Big up, big up T dot man them. And also I think if I'm not mistaken, it's in my calendar. I think, you know, you know, my friend solitaire, don't you? Silver. I, I know who he is. I don't know him personally, but I no, know I think you know him because when Cardi and them came to Sync Bar, ah, uh, was he there? He was. He was one that one of the bros that was hold, rolling yeah, with so them. I met him then. Yeah. So Solitaire's birthday is on the ninth. So by chance, if we don't end up recording before the ninth, early happy birthday to Sol. Uh, if not, we're going to give my man a shout out next week as well. Uh, that was the Raj Set Show. Hope you enjoyed it, man. Two of us. We went long Yo. on even less stories. What did I mess them up? Yeah, yeah. Should we do a rapid fire out and about? Because we've got some shout-outs there as well. Should we? I don't even know, man. Like, out and about is crazy. So where? So we got a section we, we can go, we can go rapid. Notes. We can go rapid fire on it, dude. Wait, where have we been this week? Friday out night. About in Dubai. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do, let, 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 me, let me get mine out of the way because uh, I'm kind of in it right now. So I want to give a shout-out to uh, Birdcage on Marassi Drive at the Pullman Hotel. I want to give a shout-out to Maria, who was the original plug there who I connected with uh, a month or two ago and shout out to Herbert, the GM, that venue is dope, massively underrated in the city of Dubai, microseconds away from the boulevard, uh, wicked sound system. We might end up doing something there just as a heads up as a clue, but shout out to Birdcage. And then also shout out to uh, VKD gang. Uh, they just opened Honeycomb Hi-Fi also in the Pullman. Uh, I was over there just literally two, three hours ago. I went over there to see Stefan Lamar, who you know, one of our dear friends, 4P's alumni, my friends, your friends, alumni, and just a super good brother. So really got a chance to kick it with him. And then when I was in the house, also Varun, who's the V in VKD, came over. We hung out with him this time last year, Vic, at the Halloween yeah. party when Cardinal came over. And then yeah, that we night did. we got connected to Varun. Varun's a good dude. What was interesting about Varun is, we probably spent 10 to 12 minutes chopping it up at the bar. And he was like, okay, I've got to get back to my dinner with my family. Dude had his family, his family in a booth. He was having a family dinner and he came wow. over to show love, chop it up. And I didn't, I thought he was just working. I didn't even know that he was like actually there to eat. So the fact that, you know, he carved so much time out, time out to just come and chop it up. He's a real hustler, real dude. Um, check out his restaurants. All of them are booming in the city. Honeycomb Hi-Fi. Um, Indochine and DIFC, super sick. And of course, Miss Lily's, uh, originally out of New York, Houston Street, iconic, iconic venue in the city. Some of the best DJs, some of the best vibes. Uh, and also, if you're into it, some of the most beautiful women you'll see anywhere in the city. Um, okay, so big up to them. So Birdcage, Honeycomb. Uh, we went to Hideout the other day. Man, I missed my friend, Colin. You were there, right? Yeah, so uh, just be actually, just before no, we not went Colin, to Hideout. Corey, Corey, Corey. Corey, yeah. So before we went to hideout, we went to uh, an event at One Life, right? So that was with uh, Janet, our friend Janet, who is uh, um, the girlfriend of our good friend Yuvraj, who we've mentioned mm -hmm. on the podcast before. So she had a an event called J Mode, and it was at One Life where you, we did your boiler room party in yeah. D three. Yeah, so our was boiler like room party was love love soul boiler room, wasn't it? Love soul no, boiler room mine, party. Yeah, Brenda's mine. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. For your birthday, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she did. She did like a, a little networking event, 
plus a fireside chat with the owners of One Life, Najib and um, Chef Kelvin. Uh, she interviewed yeah. them and actually it was a bit more of a, like a two-way interview and a conversation about F&B in Dubai. That was pretty cool. You know, it was a good event. We, sh- we saw uh, Yuvraj was there. Big shout out to him. Big shout out to Janet for putting it together. Uh, Najib and Chef Kelvin and uh, Zayn Malik was performing. I think he was doing like guitar. Yeah, and, this, uh, this young cat, not the one from One Direction, but just, just some young cat who listens to the podcast who came over and showed love. He's like an ex, he's like a Dubai, Los Angeles guy. Um, Sham was artist. out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shout out to Sham Savani. Yeah, he's so he famous, out. you can't say his first name alone. You got to say Sham Savani. Like Sham I went, Sam- I literally <laughs> went to a Diwali party, and when they were talking about Sham, there was like Sham Savani, and they might have mentioned his name like six times. And I was like, you can't say this guy's name is just Sham. I was like, he's so <laughs> famous that he's his brand is so much that you basically say it as one name. So yeah, yeah. Got up to him. And- yeah, she she put on a good event. Good, uh, you know, good for her. She invited us down, so we really enjoyed that. And then uh, we had to duck out a little bit early because we had a reservation um, over a hideout in a Hyde Hotel. Um, so you, me, Br- Brunswick, Brunswick, isn't it called Brunswick Avenue or Brunswick Tavern? Isn't it called Hyde? Is that what it's called? The joint, the the, the the party might be called Hideout, and the restaurant, the the hotel is called Hyde, but I think it's called Brunswick Tavern or something like oh, that. that. I'll, I'll give it a quick Google whilst you're talking about it, but yeah, just yeah, explain so that, why we went. Yeah, so that's in the Hyde Hotel. So you, me, Sal, and my wife Shayla went out there, and they had a kind of Halloween theme night. I guess I don't think there was many people on <laughs> in in like dress up, but yeah, it was just it was a cool cool little vibe. We went there, we had a, a few drinks, and then. um Crown Prince was DJing that night, which was the big draw for us to go. Now, I don't, I've I've met Crown Prince a couple of times. I know he's a friend of yours. I've met him a couple of times, always shown love. And uh, I've never really heard him play. Really? But that night, yeah, like I heard him play at Papa once. I think he was there when we went to- No, and that's his brother, a... Colin. Oh, okay, right. So that, okay. So it's, it's Corey and Colin. They go by the names of Crown Prince and Coleone. Um, Colion, yeah, yeah, Colion. Col- Col- Colin's fantastic. Yeah, Corey has been around. Corey is a true like staple on like the Dubai music yeah. scene. And sorry, the he, name of the venue. Sorry, was called Hudson Tavern. Just to be Hudson clear. Tavern. That's it, yeah. right? So, so, so he he was outstanding, man. Like he was s- solid. He he was solid. Like. Yeah. No missteps, in my, in my opinion. There wasn't one misstep. He reminded me, I think I messaged you the next day. So there's a DJ called DJ Shorty Blitz out of the UK, out of London. The, the, the greatest in the UK. Yeah, he like he's, obviously he's a friend of ours, but he, he's he got this crazy energy when he DJs. He's like, he's in it, he's in the zone and you can't like shake him, you know? Mm. And he reminded me of Shorty and and that's a huge compliment in my book. Like sure. He's just one of the greatest to come out of the UK. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had a great night, man. So you, you actually ended up leaving a bit early and it was just me, Shayla and Sal partying. I struggled. I struggled. I texted Corey. I was like, I was like, you know, cause I, I've, I've been to a lot of crowns parties and I think he even came to one of ours back in D3, but yo, he is a, like, he's a registered abuser, like a registered regular offender when it comes to turntables, like this guy is so good as a DJ yeah. and he, you're right. He, he comes from a different generation to like the Travis and Beruzis. He comes from the, the step generation ahead of them, which is, it's much more like 
aggressive attacking. Like I, m- I remember one time I-, I I text him about this probably every year. There was one night I think we we're in Lily's or somewhere we we're in some one of Crown Prince's parties, and he was already going aggressive, and then randomly he dropped a dip set set, and I'm like, this is abuse. And he and I remember yeah. at that point I always thought he's a good DJ, but I was, at that point I was like, this might not be a DJ you want to test. So like he, very very good. Big up to him. I'm sh- shame I missed it, but you know, between now and the end of the year or ne- next six months, I'm definitely going to go to a Crown Prince party for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd go back all day long. And then there was a guy on before him called DJ Shiddy, S-H-I-D-I. And I think his Instagram is King Shiddy. He was good. Great, great warm-up DJ. Really good set. You know, just 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 a good, just a great DJ. I think he's out of Detroit. And um, if I remember correctly, I think he's also a teacher by day. So just a, like, yeah, really good DJ. Like, he, he he had a nice little nice little warm-up set. He played a bunch of like great old school records, a bunch of new records, just set the vibe right, man. So I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that night actually. Mm. Musically, really enjoyed it. Yeah. And as we as we as we approach, you know, we're getting closer and closer to December. Might be more events coming up from our gang as well, heading into the back end of November, beginning of December. More information to come. Might be my friends, your friends, might be a love soul party, might be a little from column A, a little from column B. But until then. Um, the best way to find out is obviously listen to the podcast, following us on social media. Vic's Instagram is uh, at Vic Majaria, V I K M O R J A R I A. And I'm at Raj Katech, R A J K O T C H A. This is a Raj Katech show. Thanks so much for tuning in. We miss you, Alex. We look forward to you coming back. Alex, you know, the reason why he's not here, uh, he's he's either going to Rome or he's moving house or he's doing something like that, but he's doing some big both. shit this week. He's doing both. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Alex is, Alex has got his hands full and he also might not have Wi-Fi. but for all the Alex fans, which is basically everybody listens to the show, he'll be back next week. Uh, until next week, if you get a chance, hit the subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you've been watching it on Spotify, give us a five-star rating and then a five-star rating review on Apple is always welcome. All these little weird things that you can do by pressing buttons and clicking stuff and commenting just helps their algorithm know that this content is valuable. Regularly, every week, we hit between 80 and 100 views, and I vastly over-index on the people that give us one to two hours of their time, even if it is 80 to 100 people versus the thousands of people that consume on Instagram or the dozens that consume on IG Live. This podcast community is very important to me, which is the reason why for the last two hours, and it's quarter past one in the morning right now, that we're carving out time to, to record this show. Hope you enjoyed it. Give us a like, subscribe, and we will speak to you next week. Peace.